All right, boys, welcome back to Fresh Shacks Weekly, episode 54. We're out here in the studio today, and I'm subbing in for Marcus, who's out making jerky for our upcoming trip, and Randy is out hunting right now. So I've been running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Uh, I wish I could say it was because I've been fishing and hunting so much, but it's not. All my friends decided to get married. I'm in my 30s, so I'm in that weird age where everybody's getting married, and for some reason, they're all deciding to do it in the fall. I thought everybody took Randy's advice to not get married in the fall, but I guess uh, my friends aren't big hunters and don't watch this platform too much. So anyways, first things first, I have an update from the field from Randy. So without further ado, let's... We came down and scouted for a couple days and then uh, hunted. We got five days to hunt. I'm done. I always said I wanted to shoot a buck with nice prongs, so this is about all you're gonna see of him because something happened that it's the first time in, well, we're starting season 16 right now. First time in 15 point whatever years that I got excited and didn't wait for the camera guy, so I'm, I'm gonna get in trouble when I get back and the crew and the editors and everybody are like, where's the footage? But uh, two years ago, I was in Nevada filming a whole lot of b-roll a whole lot of strategy for a course i did for outdoor class called pronghorn hunting and uh now me and matthew were out here he's still got a tag he's got the rest of today and two more days we're out here trying to prove a few of these ideas a few of the principles that are in the course out there and uh a couple of them are turning out to be pretty true. It's September, today's September 18th, and we talk about pronghorn being predictable, being territorial, being very aggressive. Uh, we're in the peak of the rut, and they are doing all of the above. Uh, so it's fun to come down here and say, okay, according to what we talked about in the course, this is how it should work, and it worked. Anyhow, a lot of you are in the midst of pronghorn seasons. Uh, we got about another two or three weeks left of the peak rut, and then it's going to transition to the post rut. And then the pronghorn are going to switch over to a food pattern from a breeding pattern. So this time of year, it's so easy. Even if you bump a buck and you've seen where he's been doing his scrapes, you know he's going to be back there. They're just doing their route checking their scrapes and if they got does with them they are not leaving those does so hopefully you have pronghorn tag hopefully you're out doing something fun last night we had tenderloins and back straps that was excellent and if matthew shoots one we'll get some more tenderloins either that or we're going to finish off the rest of my back straps before we get out of here and uh that's a that's the field report take care folks we all know Randy gets jazzed up over pronghorn hunting. That country looks super, super cool. And I got to talk to Jace a little bit about that hunt and it sounds like it was really fun. Now for some news. So a couple months ago, Randy and Marcus talked about a hunter education and archery programs in school being blocked and them not providing funding for it. Well, recently in a nearly unanimous vote, the Protecting Hunting Heritage and Education Act passed in the house this act will allow federal funds to be used for courses like hunter education 
archery and culinary arts. Um, the culinary arts part is because uh, when you're cooking and stuff, you're using knives longer than two and a half inches, which can be considered a deadly weapon. So hooray on that. This will be great for future generations of hunters and anglers. This one um, is kind of near and dear to my heart as I've started to become a steelhead angler over the past couple years. There's been repair work on the Winchester Dam near Roseburg, Oregon, which has caused a fish kill of hundreds of thousands of Pacific lamprey. All right, so a little bit of background about this dam. It's, uh, it was constructed on Oregon's fabled North Umpqua River in 1890, and it was the main source of water and electricity for the town of Roseburg until about 1923. The dam's hydropower facilities have no longer, or they're no longer there. They were removed and the structure is now maintained solely for the recreational benefit of the Winchester Water Control District. This uh, August and then leading into September, it went under um, preparation to reinforce the dam face with concrete and steel um, and filling in spots with injected polyurethane uh, foam. The repair work was permitted to be done between August 7th and August 28th. However, the Winchester Water Control District applied for two extensions to complete the work, which were both granted and the work finally concluded on September 6th this year. When this was all happening, the outdated fish ladder used by Steelhead, Lamprey, and Oregon Coast Coho, which are listed as threatened under the Endangered Species Act, was closed. So all this in the midst of a fish closure on the North Umpqua that was uh, announced in July due to low numbers of returning steelhead. So Ryan Beckley, the president of the district um, and the owner of Terra Firm, which was the company that did the repair work on the dam, said, my family has had a home here for three generations and with the reservoir behind it, if it was harming fish, the people that live behind it would be the first ones to pony up. So disputes over this dam are nothing new. In 2020, WaterWatch, an environmental nonprofit focusing on riv protecting rivers in Oregon, offered to remove it at no cost to the district, which would increase fish passage to the 160 miles of North Umpqua tributaries upriver, but uh, the district declined the offer. So ODFW had staff on the site throughout the whole dam repair process. Um, and they will be writing a re official report on the dam work. However, there is no clear time timeline for that report um, and when it will be published, but there was evidence of DEQ violations that would carry civil penalties in the case. That's really all I got this week for news. Marcus, Randy, and I are heading to the Yukon tomorrow. We're leaving at 5 a.m., and it's going to be sweet caribou hunt marcus and randy both have tags and for a deeper dive this week we have marcus kara and rocky they're going to talk about what it's like to hunt moose in alaska as a non-resident so thanks for having me here guys see ya in a couple weeks all right well this is like the first one fresh tracks weekly we're trying to shoot we're not in the field though we were in the field just a second ago but we're now in transition. We're still in Alaska, and so we're talking about Alaska hunting, just some general thoughts and ideas about Alaska hunting now that we've all done it. Yeah, we're you veterans. Guys? I guess I didn't hunt this hunt. I didn't. You I have didn't, before. I was filming. Yeah. I was working, working real hard. Sherpa and 
Yeah, you were filming and packing. The fact that they called it work is like not not nice. It shouldn't that shouldn't be called work. It was pretty fun. It was just recreation the whole time. Um, but yeah, so for people that don't know, Rocky, I call you Rocky. Travis is is your real name. Travis Ram, Kara, my wife, who people may have may or may not have seen on some previous videos. But yeah, we were hunting moose in Alaska and uh, successfully, which was pretty sweet. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Got one. Got one. Got two. Got <laughs> two. I didn't have a tag. Uh, but yeah, so I just thought we could just kind of brainstorm some thoughts about Alaska hunting. One of the big things to me is it's very expensive even to do it on your own. So like, there's one thing even, like going guided, like you can go, there's all sorts of guided opportunities and that can get astronomical in a hurry. But even how we did it, which was, I mean, is you say on your own, but we, we took a, tra we had a transporter. So we had someone fly us out and land us on a lake. It still adds up, it's still. Yeah, but what we did was probably mid-range, right? Like, like oh, yeah. I'm coming at this from a very novice's perspective, but. But like this is clearly like about the middle of what what you're gonna gonna pay. You know, it's not a guided trip. It, it's 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 still be considered DIY. But you know, we're there's a lot of assist, assistance along the way here. You know, with with the transporter, like where you could hunt from the road system, like Marcus has done in the past. Um, but like I, me or Kara really can't. Well, Kara's on one of those. Like yeah. I I can't speak to that. You know, but but yeah, it's not it's not a cheap endeavor um, either way. It's a memorable one. Oh, it's phenomenal. But oh, you, all, you, ha you also have to cost away how, how much you're willing to spend or how much you're going to spend versus your ability to be there. Because obviously your wealth grows as you get older, but also your ability to do a moose hunt in particular and a pack out of a moose hunt is also going to start declining. And so you have to hit that sweet spot where you're willing and able to financially go, but also have the fitness and behind you so that you can actually actually pack out and get the animal that you're seeking out that's sure super yeah. important i it, and i think you got to like be real with yourself like i i think i feel like we're in pretty good shape and we all all try to stay in pretty good shape because it's advantageous for the things we do mm -hmm. but let's be real here like i cannot pack out a moose at some point in my life and it's probably closer than i would like to admit yeah um for sure. Yeah, it's, there it they're not light. And that, it's there. not good for you. Like oh, that, no, I heard putting that much weight on your back, it's it's really not. Kara like, should not be packing packs that are close to her body weight. Like, <laughs> like she should just not be doing it. Like I should be doing it so that I can do it. Yeah. But I'm going to reach a point when I I cannot do it anymore. Yeah, like Marcus is willing to sacrifice his wife for this. This is basically what he's doing. <laughs> Hey, hey, she got to shoot the moose. <laughs> I'm willing, I'm willing to train and to like, every weekend we're just training for something. And this year it happened to be that we trained for a moose hunt, which was heavier than expected. But I feel like all the weekends and all, all the like morning workouts that we do definitely like led us to success so that we didn't break and things were relatively easy in the scheme of things. Like it wasn't easy. It's not light, but it was all manageable. But having just come off the couch, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. And even being young, if you just hopped off the couch, 
like you you would hurt yourself you would you would break something yeah. like you would you'd strain something you break something and it's not even just the weight of it all which the weight is incredible obviously but the terrain in which you're walking on it's mm -hmm. just it's not flat ground it's not normal ground that you can put more and more on and just be like okay I'll just hit a trail at some point but yeah. it's it's just there there's not trails and you're walking over uneven terrain tussocks and hummocks the train's and... not something you can train in the gym for either though like uh -huh. like we're lucky enough to to live in an area and be able to you know backpack every weekend and and, and like I, I i work in a job there what do i do spend a lot of time in some pretty terrible terrain and like i feel like i'm relatively trained up most of the time for that because of my other interests in life but yeah you want to spend some time in the mountains, I, I think, you know. And, and, but, I mean, For if you sure. live in somewhere you can't do that, like, you can't do that. But um, it's, it's, it's helpful. Carry heavy packs is carrying heavy packs. That's but, the, yeah, I mean, that being said, like, I think the, like, Karen and I did more, a lot more weight training uh, this year, which actually I used to kind of make fun of, but it's, it, it helps a ton. I mean, this year we, loads, we decided but... we were going to go moose hunting. Yeah. And so the past six months we've been training hard and we've just dialed ourselves in so that we're like able to have more time in the gym. And then also every weekend we're in the mountains. And yeah, so sure. like mountains and gym are very different things, oh. but being in the mountains, like we are allowed the opportunity to be able to do that every weekend and having heavy packs and having uneven terrain and having steep like trails or being off trail, whatever yeah. we might be doing. But we, Especially we, at your size, like you're not the rule. Kara's not the rule. She's the exception. She's like, you know, they're not like Marcus and Kara aren't big people. Oh like, yeah, we're tiny. We're small. Like they they need to train to be able to pack those packs. Like I'm not a big person, but like like yeah. I, I, same same goes here. Like uh, you know like <sighs> they're not even elk. Like like we're always like yeah, I'm gonna age out elk hunting someday. I'm not gonna be able to climb the mountains, man. Moose are Moose big. are heavy. Like, I'm stoked big. for elk season. Like, I can't wait to pack out an elk. Throw that thing on. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, we'll, uh, we'll see. Yeah. But anyway, I was, yeah, so this hunting in Alaska in general, like, I was talking about the logistics of, of flying into places. And, uh, like you said, I did the road hunt in the past twice unsuccessfully. And one of them was a special permit too archery hunt but we didn't even see a legal bull this is that was a the bad year. first legal bull that i've ever seen for sure was this year which is crazy so i mean so i came up twice completely unsuccessful and those hunts were cheaper than this one but they were also unsuccessful so i mean we also got amazing weather though too we had a lot of like, luck behind us things went well and i mean but it's hunting right like Sometimes it rains, sometimes it pours, the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. Like, we were dealt a good hand this round. Oh, for sure. There was a lot we had going for us. So we had, I mean, a huge thing, we had local knowledge, which helped. Like, that was, that. like, we just, we had a friend who kind of knew the area and gave us some pointers. That Hence helps. the cottage. Help, helps a ton. And, uh, yeah. So that was pretty clutch. And then just... Uh, putting a little more planning, putting a little more effort, putting a little more money into it. But on that same token, one thing that I've started to realize that like, it's like giving me these weird mixed feelings. It's just like talking to some of the locals, like 
the hunt, types of hunts we're doing, none of the none of the locals do these types of hunts really, from what I've gathered. Maybe a handful. The majority. Not a lot. But the majority they can't, don't. They can't afford to fly out like this to go on these cool, like, you know, destinations. Like, the flights are super expensive. And I think they are, they're, I, I don't want to say artificially inflated. They're, they're inflated because of non-resident demand. So the, uh, us non-residents come in and then like because demand's high that the, these transporters can raise their prices and then it just makes it harder for these guys to do it and so it's like and the, and granted so alaska the, the other thing about alaska is that that's super interesting is that there's crazy regulation differences and so like the locals if you live if you're an alaska resident you do have a ton more leeway in terms of legality of animals that you can shoot like there's a lot like a lot of places are any moose Whereas for non-residents, it's almost always four brow tines or 50 inches wide in order to be a legal moose. So right off the get-go, way less moose are on the table for us as non-residents. And then also area restrictions. Residents can only hunt so many, or non-residents can only hunt so many areas. Residents have a lot more area open to them. But still, it's just like, it's just a weird feeling, but I, I, I kind of am on board with like restricting non-resident access. Like I totally understand it. Like coming from a Montana centric perspective of like, we also have a lot of like barriers to entry to non-residents from cost per hit, like cost barriers and then also areas, availability of permits and everything. And it's just like, you're you're rewarded for living in that state. And ultimately, I mean, it's the, the public trust that state is managing the wildlife for the people of that state ultimately. And so it's just like, you gotta cater to the people of your state first. And a lot of times the non-residents are a funding mechanism, but ultimately it's to benefit the, the people and the resource of that state, not just the people, but the resource as well. So it's just like, I don't know, I just have all these mixed feelings and like, it's but not a simple, it's not a simple solution, right? No. Like you can see where they're coming from, right? It, and clearly is, I get frustrated as an in-state hunter of Montana. Like, and, and I think anybody that's, that's lived there, or grown up there, feels the same way. But I also hunt some other states, like we're in Alaska here today. And like, I understand their perspective, but I wouldn't, like, I'm also like looking at it from my selfish perspective and, and like reductions in, in our opportunity are sad, but I also can't get all that mad about them um, because I see their perspective. So it's, it's a torn subject and I, and, and I know people feel very strongly about it, but it's hard for me to like really plant my flag in a side when I think it's an issue dependent thing, particularly as Western hunting gets more and more since COVID, but it's, you know, Western hunting's blowing up. We've seen it in our state and I know other states are seeing it as well. And, and, there's gonna be some hard, hard solutions by by state management agencies yeah. because there's no other like like there's a finite amount of resources on the ground and there's demands growing. Yeah, and selfishly, that's one of the reasons I wanted to make this hunt happen. Like right now, it's just like don't know if that opportunity is necessarily gonna be there next year. I mean, every year there's more and more restrictions, and it, and it, it is selfish, like. I'll admit it. Like, I just like want to try to do it before I can't. Cause it's just like, it is an amazing experience. 
and like chances are we're never gonna move to Alaska and become our care be my captive Alaska wife up here. That was a quickly shot down this weekend in uh, conversation. <laughs> not gonna happen. I thought it was a great idea to become Alaska residents. Uh, yeah, Fresh Tracks North office. Randy? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not going you, away though. Like no, and like that's the other thing. So non-residents in a lot of states, in Alaska included, it's like huge industry. Like for there's all these guides and outfits and uh, transporters and not to mention it funds usually the majority or or at least half or more of, of the fishing game budget. Like, like that's where a lot of these, you know, what, you know, what's a general moose tag in Alaska? I can't remember. 800 bucks. 800 with, with fishing. dollars yeah. Like, I mean, that's a big deal compared to, I don't even know what resident prices are, but I know what Montana's are. And, and guess what? You guys, non-residents are funding the bill. Yeah, if I remember, I think as an Alaska resident, it's like 50 bucks for your hunting license and then everything else is free. Free, right. Okay. It, so, I, I, and I, I might be off stuff. a little bit on that, but the, either way, but you're, yeah, it's like we're subsidizing the fishing game budget to well, manage, you know, yeah. this public resource um, or whatever non-residents of whatever state you're hunting. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not going away and it's an important component of, of at least how these management agencies have worked in the past and contemporarily, but moving it's not going away, but like opportunities are going to be restricted because there's just so much demand. Yeah. And then, well, so here's another thing we got to touch on real quick. And I, I don't know a ton about it. And so I can't speak to it intelligently, but in Alaska, it's different from any other state in the lower 48 in the fact that they have subsistence hunting where there's, I mean, there are people living on the landscape who literally need to hunt and kill wildlife to survive. Like that is a legitimate thing and that is not the case i mean in a few rare circumstances in the low 48 maybe you could make an argument but not really like compared to alaska like there is subsistence hunting there's totally different regulations it's under a fe it's under federal regulations versus state regulations which is most most game management happens under and that is this a whole nother layer to this of like to to take resource away from them as non-resident. It's just like this, it's crazy balancing act. And like you have multiple agencies all working together to try to like manage this and to try to come up with a solution where you have the funding and then you have a like, you know, food in the field for people. And then you have these caribou herds that are crashing and like people can't find, you know, can't get meat to feed their families. It's this, it's wild. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, that's not something I can speak intelligently. No, about. yeah, like, but I think it's just to, it just to mention that that's a, no a whole other layer to it that a lot of states don't deal with. It's an important yeah. piece of the puzzle, like very important piece oh, of the puzzle that, sure. that I don't think we can, you know, have have a valid stance on, on either way. and, and Never and, be able to, like, wrap my head around, like, act, like, as much as we, like, yeah, we live on wild game. Like, we literally just, like, all three of us like that's like yeah, our that's protein choice. that that's that what our, fully, that that's that's where i was going with it is this like we can't wrap our heads around like not being able to go to like we can always go to the grocery store and get and get some meat if we needed to yeah no I, yeah it's if we needed it we could it's a totally different distribution and access in oh, alaska yeah. and that's why everything every price is inflated oh yeah and 
So the cost of doing a hunt is going to be more expensive because of it, but the cost of food here is just also kind of insane compared mm -hmm. to anything in the lower 48. Yeah. And it all comes down to distribution and access. And like, that's also what's going to help promote the fact that residents can have some more flexibility and some more leeway essentially with what they can hunt and what they can acquire. And they should. And, and, would, and the right I, I fully should. support yeah. it. Like and, that's, and they should. that's yeah. yeah. Like I'm not negating that at all. Um, but then, yeah, non-residents can come in and try and acquire some things too. Um, and if you can get back, like, to the local community, then that's also great. Like, we're bringing back as much moose as we can, but then the rest is, like, kind of divvied out within the community. Um, yeah, and I think that's a first for all of us. That like, was really interesting. Yeah, ta I mean, tell, like, tell, this, yeah, walk, this, through, walk us through your experience of that, because you were the one, Kara flew out, like, with the meat before us. And Rocky and I are still in the field. We came out somebody's, on two different flights. Yeah, somebody's got to be the head coach. And <laughs> we selected Kara. Yeah. We yeah. put as much meat in into the beaver as we could, and the lightest person got to go on the first flight. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, from my perspective, hunting obviously is something that I do to be able to procure as much wild game as we can so that we can fuel ourselves for the entire year on wild game so that even though we have full access to grocery stores where we live like we have full access to meat if we want to buy it we we choose not to but again that's by choice right and so hunting especially in montana for me and for us it's always been with the intention of i'm of, like i'm going to harvest this animal with full intentions of consuming the entirety of it right coming to alaska we had that same mentality of we're going to come here and we're going to get a moose and we're going to bring it back and we're going to split it if we only get one and maybe we'll split it with our buddy who lives up here or some other friends that we also know that live nearby and or when we come back to to like town where we live we can split it with some friends because very few of us ever have access to moose and so it's a, it's kind of a fun thing to be able to like oh, hey for sure, yeah have some moose like all of our buddies they all hunt elk and so we don't really share elk between each other because we all already have elk but like here's alaskan moose super fun once we got moose and then we got we got two moose suddenly that's a lot of meat and again being so remote the distribution back to the mainland is different and being able to bring all of it back suddenly became like kind of a lot like yes we could have done that but also a lot of the feelings that we got when we landed was like hey are you guys going to be taking all the moose and our initial like conversations all were like yeah we want to bring back all of it because mm -hmm. that's that's like what we yeah that's, just... well, that's what we thrive on like that's what why we came up here we didn't come up here for a set of horns like we didn't come up here just to like bag a trophy and be like, oh, that was sweet. Like we got a picture and then like do whatever you want with the, the horns and do whatever you want with the meat. We came up here to get moose meat and like, yeah. yeah I mean, and an experience. Like it was like, there's an adventure. We're recreational hunting. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's recreational, yeah. but it's fun. Like, yes, it, like it's it's an absolute hunt of lifetime. Oh, for like, sure. All, all of the memories, all the experience, like you're out there and you're just enveloped with bears and you're just literally in the wild like there's no road access back to be like hey i want to go and get this piece of food like i want to get an ice cream cone like there you're out there you're oh, remote. Yeah. 
uh, and we have each other, whatever. Like, if we get sick of each other, like, too bad. You're going to be sleeping in the tent. We're going to make fun of Marcus instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely going to make fun of Marcus. But uh, with the meet, when we came back, so many people were asking about it that it suddenly became, a like, kind of recognized that a lot of people also kind of donate some of their meat back because there's a running list of so many people that are actively wanting moose meat. When we were cutting it up, two people showed up to grab moose. And, and, and like, it's not like we, 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 we flew home, like what, 530 pounds or something. Like we're not messing around. I mean, we're flying home a lot of moose meat. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. We're flying home close to an entire moose. Um, but like people were jacked and, and that was new to me. Like this is, this is very taboo to me. There's more people on the list than there was moose available, yeah, I think, right. which was like kind of eye-opening and like and like how there was like a sense of disappointment when we're like, no, we're gonna keep it, and they're like, oh, oh are you sure? Like it it's was gonna like, be they expensive. Were like, people were like sad, and like I was just like, oh man, like I don't know. This is like it was a totally different feeling. It pulled on heartstrings, <laughs> yeah. to be honest, yeah, because yeah, for sure. generally speaking, we get an elk or a deer, or antelope at home, and people are like, oh, cool awesome it's a different but people different don't culture. people yeah. aren't like actively being like oh can you can you give me a quarter of it or like are you gonna take the whole elk or what are you gonna do with it like we we get an elk at home we get a deer and like full intentions like we put it in our freezer and we eat it and occasionally some people will be like hey can do you have any elk meat i'd love to cook some steaks you give them family. like a couple packages yeah and they're like oh that's good like i, I only want three whatever but here they're there's like are you going to eat it? What are you going to do with it? Are you sure you're taking it all home? And every time we kept saying, yeah, I think we're going to try and do it all. There was like, there was that kind of disappointment and it's like, well, you're not going to like leave any of it here for us. And so I, I don't know. It was, it was a very, very different experience. It's the, and, and it really like, I mean, it's pretty clear. It stems from everything Kara talked about. Like protein is, ex you know, not procured from here. Protein is really expensive in Alaska. And everybody knows that. Right. And it's, and it's about transport getting in here, right? It's 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 not this simple or this this complex problem or like it's very understandable why this is such an important part of of just Native Alaskans and and Alaskans out in these these smaller towns their their livelihood, which um, I love. No, no, it's phenomenal. I mean, As people that again, do it, people that want on purpose. to want to want yeah. to eat wild game. The fact that so many people Need. wanted. Not even needed, but just wanted it. And yeah. want and need are very similar, like, yeah. concepts, right? They can be but, correlated. Yeah. yeah. But so many people are wanting the moose that it's it's not that they are like, oh, well, I'll take it if I have to. Like, but I really want beef or I really want chicken. It's like, we want moose. Yeah. For whatever reasoning it's they cool. might have, that was, that was probably the coolest thing for me because... Again, coming from my perspective of like growing into it, of growing up not on game and then transitioning to wanting to consume game by harvesting it, yeah. like that that part is pretty cool to me that 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 many people are like wanting to have it. Oh, for sure, yeah. Well, it's I mean. I think part of it, too, like you guys are just saying, how it's so hard to get things up here. It's a long ways from anywhere. Yeah. However, you get things up here, and then to then us like like you're gonna spend all that money to then get it home. I mean, I think we spent thirteen hundred ish dollars to get two to ship, heads and to ship it home under six hundred pounds and, and of meat home. 
you know, full disclosure, the heads are expensive part, right? Like the more expensive. Oh yeah, yeah. Mostly your head was very expensive. <laughs> Turns out the wider they are, the more yeah. expensive. <laughs> you know, like, and, and we should be feel really fortunate to be in a situation to be able to even do that, you know? Oh, yeah. Um but yeah, I know I I just feel fortunate to be be in a situation to to bring back this this moose meat, which is is a novelty for for really yeah. us like unless we draw one of the big three in montana which is a hard hard draw we're not hunting moose right or or sheep or goats or whatever um like the rest of the lower 48 yeah i mean what else are what are your thoughts on hunting alaska care this is your first time like hunting for yourself right well no no you gotta hunt caribou for about two and a half days last time i feel bad about that we didn't actually we had planned on care getting to hunt caribou longer but then Typical turns selfish. out I was, I was selfish. <laughs> uh, well, we just, I guess I didn't do enough research and I didn't know that the caribou zone and the moose zone just didn't overlap Lap at all. That's yeah, so fair. Kara's hunt got cut extremely short. But uh, yeah, so thoughts on this one, even though I guess technically you hunted even less days on this hunt. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, <laughs> this is, now, this is now like the third time I've been in Alaska. Because we came up for the caribou and moose hunt yeah. a few years ago. We came up fishing mm -hmm. with your parents. And now we came up on this moose hunt. And every time I feel like I just get blown away with kind of how wild and remote Alaska truly is. And it takes me a little while to finally recognize and have it settle in of we're in Alaska. And we're removed so much further away than we typically are. Because oftentimes, again, we're backpacking every weekend and we remove ourselves from populace. We, we go far into the mountains and so we're not typically seeing people. And so it feels like a similar situation when you're kind of in Alaska until you finally, it settles in and you realize, I am very far away from truly any service, any good that I might need. And I love it. And so I think it's sweet. Oh yeah. You, you guys like it. But I think some of the, the coolest parts for me visiting Alaska is the landscape. All the plants are so significantly different. Like the dirt or lack of dirt, but the terrain, the animals that you're seeing, it's just so wildly different. And animals, like the, the wildlife, they act different to, to people here too than typically what we see, especially in Montana. And I don't know, it's just, it's a different experience. And I just go into it knowing, like, I'm here. I'm here for soaking up whatever it might be, and I know that I'm going to go home. But, again, I might be wet the whole time. I might be surrounded by bears the whole time. Whatever. I'm just here for the experience. I'm going to try and absorb all of it, and then I'm going to lock it away in my memory bank and try and capture as much photos and footage as I can so that I can reflect back on it. But, I don't know, it's, it's something that you can't just buy in like your normal life i don't know oh, you yeah. just have you have to experience i don't know yeah it's it's pretty crazy i mean it's totally different than what we can experience in the i mean don't get me wrong we have plenty of wild hunts and adventures Across in montana but no, for sure you know. i mean every elk hunt that we go on is just for a typical person is just going to be blow their mind this is just next level. But it's, again, like you're saying, high and high and low and low. Like, if we didn't you might bull, not see anything because the density of animals is... It's, it's not as high. Is, 
Productivity's lower here. It's less because we might be elk hunting, but we'll see a ton of deer or we'll see a ton of birds or we'll see other things. Here, it's like kind of all or nothing. Like you see either a gigantic animal <laughs> or nothing. And, and I mean, I'm going to parrot a lot of the same thing. If I was parrot the same things Kara's going to say, right? Like it's wild. It's big. It's remote. It's all the things you know. Um, but yeah, it was just super novel to me. Like the biggest thing, honestly, the biggest thing for me was just moose being gigantic prehistoric creatures. Like, yeah, I'm used to Shiras moose and like, oh my God, are they big? My but favorite like, part of the whole hunt is just seeing you walk up to your moose and being like, Rocky's a big dude. You're not, small. Not really. I'm just, I'm, I'm big compared to these two. Rocky, but, but yeah. <laughs> we're tiny. Yeah. You're a normal I'm, I'm average human. You're best. an average yeah. human. <laughs> But you walking up to that moose, you just look small. I felt small. <laughs> like, yeah, honestly, that that was the biggest thing for me. Like, it, they were just huge animals. Like, just the racks and, and the body size. It was cool. It was really, really cool. You know, like, at times a lot of it reminded me of the Mountain West. But then we'd just be in the tundra, and I'd be like, I don't know what any of these plants are, and why is the ground squishy? Like... Uh, to be honest, it hasn't really truly set in that well to me because it, it was we had such a wham bam hunt. Honestly, is how I prefer to hunt. Like I just want to go balls to the walls yeah. as long as we can. I don't want it. Eat, sleep, drink, nothing. We just want to go balls to the walls. <laughs> we tried to do it. Kara made a stop, which was good. Because, we eat you know, a lot of snacks. Um, <laughs> it's necessary. Yeah, which is good. So like, I I feel like I truly kind of missed out on some of like the experience. Like. In my head, like, don't get me wrong, this was an absolute trip of a lifetime, but, like, long story short, I just want to come back. And, like, I don't know if I, like, next time we just need Marcus with a moose tag. I don't need another tag. Like, I want to go caribou hunting real bad and yeah. do a spring bear. Like, it's cool. It's really cool. Um, I mean, heck, every state has a lot of cool opportunities like this. Though. Like, we're oh, I mean, it's Alaska, all different. Like, like, the yeah. reason why it's so cool to us novel. is because it's it's new to us and it's different than yeah. what we typically experience. And obviously, the people that live in Alaska already are like, oh, we see that all the time. We yeah. see a big moose every day. And it's the same for us. Like, oh, yeah, it's just another elk. What are you looking at? Like, oh, it's just a bear. It's just a deer. It's like, oh, sweet. It's a big mule deer. It's, it's just normal. But then somebody coming and visiting Montana, totally different. And so for us, it's it's just a totally wild experience. We're those weird tourists. You oh, know? we're definitely oh, yeah. yeah. We're walking around town in full camo because it's the only clothes we have. Like, <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. I mean, but it that's our view of fun too. Because we visit a city and we're like, let's get out of here. This is not where we belong. Where it's Alaska, it's like this is friggin' sweet. Don't want to live here. Love visiting. I could live here. <laughs> Kelsey's not down. <laughs> Love the experience. Want to soak it up and need time for reflection. But want I want to come and continue to come back. I don't need to come back every single year. But like I I want to like bank up those memories. I think and I think one thing that like at least really struck me, and and this is kind of like excluding hunting a little, but we've hit it on it a bit. But just the the remoteness of these smaller towns, like you know, there's not the amenities, you know, that the industry isn't here. Like, you know, you're not going to have the services you're used to. Um, and, and that can make 
hunting logistics fairly challenging. You know, honestly, we're super lucky to have Marcus who does a lot of this stuff and knows his way around the block. Like me and Kara just be his little children following him around. Like, what do we do now, Mr. Marcus? Um, but, but yeah, it's, it, that's something that you need to take into consideration. If you're going to like pull the trigger, like doing it half-assed without much of a plan is probably going to be, you're going to regret it. I am. I'm <laughs> oh, and you need to be able to have that mentality that you might be able to plan everything to a T and you might be one of those organized people that make blinders, Kelsey, yeah, <laughs> whatever. But like you might be super organized, but plans don't happen the way that you want them to happen. Got to be dynamic. And you've got to you've got to accept change, and you've oh. got to accept that you're just going to be kind of like hanging out and waiting to for the next step. For instant oh. go periods, like it's you're going to sit around and wait until it's time to go and yeah. and now. And we, I mean, we really experienced that on this trip, especially the go now. Oh, is it, the funny thing is, I kept telling these guys, and I've said in the past, it was like. Whenever I've had like a, a plane flight to a remote area, like you taking a bush plane, like, like a float plane or whatever, like I've never flown on the day that I'm scheduled to fly. It's it's always been later. And on this trip, we actually is still not the day we we're scheduled to fly, but it happened to be a day early. It was great. Which was <laughs> which was great, but like not typical. But it was still not the day we scheduled to fly. And it's just like we just happened to be ready. We're like, oh yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's roll. Like Yeah. We'll get in there a day early. Yeah, yeah no it was problem. like it was I mean, which turned out awesome. But uh yeah, it was kind of funny that way. It's just like things just change and like especially with float planes, I mean or just any planes, if you're flying a Cub or a plane or a 206 or Beaver or whatever, it's just like they don't have instruments in those planes. So if the weather's bad, you don't fly. And the weather can be bad for 10 days. So it's like when you have windows and you can go, you, you go. And so it's just like, and you got to be prepared to be in the field for a long time. And that's like the thing, too, is it's like where we were at, I mean, there's no there's no hike into the road there's no like and we're not pack rafting out like that wasn't an option at not that point in this either. like mm -hmm. we could have we could have if push came to shove we could have hiked the pack rafts to a river to float out but that would have been an adventure like we could have made it done get it got it done like, but like if there was a survival. yeah if there was a oh, serious yeah. injury or not, something not. like we could have got it done but it would have been a damn adventure. Oh, yeah. um, and, and that's not an option in most places, you know? River flows the wrong way, you're not going that way, you know? So that's just a whole other aspect to it of this, like, it's weird, like, you are you can be so close to civilization when that plane does come. It's like, oh, wow, we're back already. But then it's just like, also, it's like, oh, weather, not flying for the next five days. Yeah, good example is that it was worth sitting inside the little cottage here instead of a, a teepee tent. Oh, yeah. Right now, yeah. like we planned on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we flew out. That was another thing. We flew out earlier. We're like, we, we like didn't want to be picked up yet, but they're like, nope, we're coming for you now. <laughs> like, oh, you guys are tagged out? Nope. No, no. Like, we're getting you right now. Like, okay, okay. <laughs> we said, Fair uh, enough. Four hours of sleep, and we need yeah, to we pack a lot no of things. No sleep. Like, we should... Yeah, drop the bull at 9.30 p.m. Finished at 6 a.m. Slept till, I don't know, 11 and then what Kara was flying out at like 2.30. Yeah. It's, it, it was horrible. It was quick. Yeah. So, yeah, just not being attached to plans and just 
go go with the flow. You and that's going to be hard for some people. It's hard, especially with the amount of logistics that it takes to come up here because you have to be an organized person to be able to plan all those logistics and put them in place. But once you're here, you loosey goosey, baby. <laughs> you go and we go. It's like, it could be today, it could be five days from now, but we kind of just have to be ready whenever. But which is really hard is like everything, like, like circling back to everything we talked about is like most people paid a lot of money to go on this hunt, right? Like, oh yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, and being like relaxed. calm and relaxed about like losing days and stuff. Like, it's hard. You, I think you go in and you just have to understand that that is part of the ball game. And if you start getting down on that, like, y you're probably gonna ruin your experience. But it's just full. It's part of the full experience. Oh yeah. You're up here, and this is just the world in which things happen. You're now in in, in a different culture. Like, you just kind of have to. Roll with it. What are the tourists? Very yeah. much so in this oh, situation. Like, yeah. So it's just like. Oh, there's not even cell service. There's yeah, no we haven't had Wi-Fi. Like we, there's. Kara's dying. <laughs> <laughs> there's Wait no until Instagram. she gets back to scroll Instagram. <laughs> no it's gonna Instagram. be. She is gonna break the internet. <laughs> Prepare for those DMs. <laughs> They're gonna be flying around. But yeah, I mean, you just come and you just have to kind of sit back and relax mm -hmm. and just. And then Wait. go like hundred miles an hour. But then when once you need you're to. once you're there, you like you take full advantage of of every opportunity that it takes, and so oh, you yeah. haunt hard. It, but you wouldn't have to, you know. Like I mean, we're coming at it from our perspective, right? Like I think there's an argument to be made that somebody goes into one of these. Like if we would have flown into our original lake, we could have also experienced Alaska as a whole, right? We could have fished, which I wanted to fish really yeah. bad. I brought a bunch of gear. Yeah. Um, you know, we could have hunted harder for ptarmigan. You know, shot yeah. some grouse. And Looked then at plants. Yeah, it, whatever you want to do. Because, like, I mean, we're coming at it from just our perspective. Like, let's be realistic. Like, it's not all balls of the walls, let's kill a moose. Like, some people want to do some other things. And, and I think you can make it what you want it. Like, yeah. we were just pushing it in one direction. But if we would have had more time in camp, we would have been fishing, grouse hunting fools. Oh, yeah. Like, if we'd had a couple days. Um, if Marcus wouldn't have made us podcast or something, we would have been, you know. <laughs> We've been hunting or fishing. Um, no, Alaska's awesome. It's so fun to visit, and I feel very fortunate that we're able to. And that's like, and that, like I said earlier, is selfishly, I want to do as much as possible now for multiple reasons because I fear that it, the opportunity is slipping away, and I under, and I understand that. Like, but it's not gone. Totally. It's never it going it away. It will never be completely away. gone, no. I feel but like also, you're I, doom and gloom in it a But I wasn't saying, like, this from the perspective of, uh, state restrictions but also you're like you were saying with your body and like that's, physically I think that's a bigger deal and you just never know when things change like in like you lose your health or you hurt your knee or whatever like if any of us had any sort of messed up anything we could not have packed those no. quarters out and i think like that's, and that's yeah. just like it just wouldn't have worked if we had like a bum knee or a bum ankle like or something more serious like you know like yeah times you know it's a, it's a life's there's a fleeting affair and like as i get a little older especially in the last five years like i i've recognized more that i have you know we all really have less time than we're willing to admit oh. so like when you have when the opportunity like this opportunity strikes like these guys literally it was like it was three weeks ago like and i knew there was a possibility i'd go on this but it's like hey you want to go on a moose hunt it's like yeah uh you know it's, thanks kelsey i was just like <laughs> i i just Told my wife, I was like, I gotta go. I'm, I, like, I'm going. I'm sorry. Like, I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, 
you know, and, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to have, have flexible work enough to, to do it. And, you know, I probably shouldn't, but here I am and it was a great experience. And, and of course I'm, I'm just, just to the moon that, that I got to be able to do it and super thankful. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we also have to thank, uh, Randy Newberg for making it all happen, pulling this all together. So what a guy. What a guy. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks guys. With Team that. high five. <laughs> that was a, that was a horrible team Leave high five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs>